Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DTNS Labs Games Show. Uh, let's add another few words there. Uh, DTNS Labs Games Show episode number nine. I'm Patrick Beja. We're talking about games, and I'm very glad to be welcoming back, as I have for every episode of this show, uh, Scott Johnson. How's it going, Scott? Hey, I'm fine. Uh, I just realized nine episodes is like, since it's just a monthly thing, that's it's like... Almost uh, a year. Yeah, because there was a month there where we didn't do it, so it's like 10 months. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's insane. It uh, is crazy. Uh, it's hey. great to be back, as always, and I uh, always enjoy my time with Patrick Beja, Aww. who uh, is always uh, fun, entertaining, and a fine, uh, a, a very gracious host. Well, how like you're saying that, but if we're not entertaining and fun now, we're going to uh, disappoint people. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, we have a great many interesting things to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the rumors for the new Microsoft consoles, uh, some stuff happening at Google as well, who's looking at console gaming, uh, some things happening with Fortnite and Epic bypassing the Play Store, which has a lot of implications, a number of other things. But... As you mentioned, we are on our ninth episode, um, and it's been almost a year. You know, I think we should quit while we're ahead. And mm. this should be the last episode of DTNS Labs Games. What do you say? <laughs> I think that sounds great, but part of me wishes that we could see it rise from the ashes like a phoenix in the night, uh, under a different name even, something like oh. that would be that is an interesting concept, and you're in luck, and uh, hopefully the audience will think so too, because uh, DTNS Labs Games is the first of the DTNS Labs podcasts to graduate from labs to actual podcasts. So this is indeed the last DTNS Labs Games we're going to be doing, but uh, thanks to your support and uh, the obviously positive feedback we've been getting on the show, and even more obviously the support of the patrons, this is going to become a full podcast. So starting next month, we're going to rename it because we thought DTNS Labs Games was a little bit too convoluted. So now it's going to be MVGB. And uh, you might say, well, MVGB is also convoluted, but, well, okay, you are right, but it makes sense because MVGB stands for Monthly Video Game Briefing, which 
has kind of a relationship to DTNS, which is Daily Tech News Show. So monthly video game brief briefing is going to be uh, bringing you a monthly panel. Well, basically what we're doing in this show, uh, which is every month we pick out the two or three most important stories in the industry of video games and uh, present them to you, hopefully in a way that is interesting, even if you're not a super hardcore gamer and you want to know what's important that is uh, happening in this uh, industry. So that's going to be the format for the actual MVGB show. And um, if we change it to something else than monthly, then we'll see what happens there. We're kind of <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but I like MVGB a lot. I think it rolls off the tongue and it's fun to say. And I got uh, it has my vote. I think it's a cool it's a cool thing. So excellent. Good. Well, since you're one half of it, it's good that you have the you we have your vote because then it, <laughs> you know if we didn't, it would be a stalemate and uh, the board could never decide. Although Tom would have probably the deciding vote there as well. So um, yeah, what he says we, goes. Uh, we need like a we need a third. Uh, uh, well, someone has to be able to break the stalemates. And well, we that's don't have Tom. One. That's what oh, I'm yeah, saying. Tom can do it. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's, and like uh, that. so, if you're a patron, so the, the show is going to be uh, working on the same model as DTNS does now. But if you're a patron, you will, of course, get the ad-free version of MVGB in uh, the Good Day Internet feed and the ad-free DTNS feed, uh, which is available for patrons. So no worries there. And uh, it's really thanks to you that we're able to do this. So thank you very much for your feedback. We hope you continue enjoying the show and we hope you go subscribe to mvgb if uh, you're interested in this because obviously you know um the the show is not going to be part well it's going to be part of dtns as well but you know it's also going to be spun off into its own thing for those who aren't patrons so please uh, go subscribe to mvgb once it's available i shouldn't be saying this now it's not available yet but it will be <laughs> uh, uh, very soon so the heads up has been uh, uh, said, and now we can move on to the actual content of the show, which uh, the first bit that we're going to discuss is the this news that Microsoft is working on not one, but two new consoles, and they have a really interesting concept. We've been talking about video game streaming services for a long time, and people will remember, you know, there are a few companies that attempted... Uh, to do something like this. And uh, I think what they've proven is that the tech works if you have a good enough internet connection. And for those who don't remember, the tech is that you stream the video of your game and you only have basically something to display the images and a controller that will send its inputs to the server in the cloud. So it's really a streaming service, just like Netflix is, um, except you have to have a really good internet connection with very little lag in order to have uh, a, a decent experience because you have to send your commands all the way to the cloud and then they incorporate them in the video and send the video back. So even if you have, say... 200 milliseconds of lag that can impact it because it's you know uh, uh double because you have the round trip so the, the the thing that they've proven i think uh people like on live and the playstation now service and uh the uh the the shadow service which launched in france and i've uh sung the praises uh of it's is that it works for 95 percent of your uses if you have a fast enough connection and the Microsoft console will be heavily utilizing that technology, if the rumors are to be believed, but not only 
that technology. It's, they have made apparently a very clever choice, which is having a, a kind of a dual system, which can... Uh, Every game will be available in that streamed format, streaming format, of course, and as a regular disc. So mm. you can either buy a full console where you will have the option to do either of those, use either of those systems, or buy a small streaming boss, which will be a lot cheaper, which will only be able to do the cloud service version. But all the games will be available in both versions of the service which is key i think um i i think this is really clever what what do you think do you think this is going to be a, a gadgety thing or can it actually finally make that streaming dream that apparently a lot of people have had uh happen well i mean if anyone's got the the back end cranking to to serve this uh after all of these experiments we've had lots of you know different uh, approaches to this uh, Sony has theirs. There have been others that have come and gone. Uh, there, what was that early one on live or whatever? On live, yeah, there was on live yeah. Gaikai, uh, Gaikai, yeah. which was bought by Sony, and actually bought maybe on live was purchased by can't remember who, but um, somebody, yeah, or the yeah. technology was, but uh, yeah, Gaikai maybe specifically Sony, was bought by yeah. Sony, and I think Sony, you know, that's all integrated into their PlayStation on or go or whatever the hell it's called now uh yeah it uh, is sony i just checked it is sony that bought on live so they both yeah, they buy all that they stuff have up, both which, uh gaikai and on live yeah and it and you know it's it's okay so it works sort of or whatever but one of the biggest hang-ups about this whole idea has always been well wait a minute i'm just getting basically video of the game that i'm playing and it's not really the game and so much dependence on my on my connection and and you know how much bandwidth is really required for this sort of thing and if anybody in the industry right now can figure out a way to leverage their back end which is their azure servers and 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 their ai tech and all the stuff they're working on over there uh it's microsoft so by by default i'm more interested because it's microsoft and i would be less so if it was somebody else talking about it because i actually think they have the 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 warehouse to back this up and so yeah. i'm very interested in it now whether or not that's good for the market to be a little bit confusing about hey there are two boxes did you hear one just streams the stuff the other one plays it like i think there's a consumer pr uh, issue that is still difficult to describe this is not an easy um, place to navigate so that's a challenge for them but i it's surmountable probably and also it's probably the future regardless so uh, I, well, I feel like you know, again, Microsoft. Let them let them experiment. They can afford to. Uh, we'll see what they do. And certainly, they're going to have a big uh, job ahead of them in in PR and communication to make sure that people who buy the quote unquote smaller box or cheaper box have the information they need, which is you need a so and so fast connection in order to use this and hopefully right. it will be in giant letters on the box uh, when people purchase it but there's an interesting twist to again all of this is rumors so it seems somewhat reliable but it's still rumors so take it with a grain of salt but there's a really interesting twist which is in <clears throat> both devices um, they have an additional uh, part of the computing which is it, it so the the even the small box is not just passive uh streaming it also does a little bit of computing to basically um integrate the 
controls <clears throat> and the inputs from your controller into that stream that is coming. I mean, we don't know the details or what kind of black magic they're doing, but there is the computing that does some kind of predictive something with the data on the local machine and then right. syncs it with the data that is being uh, uh, received from the cloud so that the, uh, the, the at least part of the lag is compensated for. And of course, all of the network engines always have some element of predictiveness in order to uh, make sure that you have an as lag-free experience as possible when you play online. So that has existed for a long time, probably not to that extent, but if they manage to do a, a good enough job and to figure out that element, if they manage to compensate even, you know, enough to cut the the lag feeling by it's probably not going to work like this it's probably going to work um you know up to you know 200 milliseconds it's playable instead of needing a 50 or 100 milliseconds of lag uh thanks to that onboard computing portion uh, but yeah, if they manage to do is, it my understanding is part of this is it's going to do things like hit detection so if you uh which seems right the so collision which is the most important thing part of the thing. <laughs> yeah so uh, collision hit detection sort of you know you being where you want to be when you want to be meaning tighter controls all that sort of stuff really you know crucial to gamers uh this is supposed to compensate for that i mean that seems like again this this is why i, I you know I have higher hopes for it for here because it feels like that's a priority. That feels like something you got to think of and do. And if you don't, you're screwing up because gamers aren't going to like it. Yeah, that's the most important part. When we're talking about lag, uh, this is the most important part, the collision, the hit detection, uh, because you right. don't want to be hitting an enemy or not able to hit an enemy or fall off a platform um, because of lag. And that's the most the, the, the most frustrating part if you have lag. So, of course, it might not be perfect for online uh, uh, competitive gaming on fast games, like let's say a fighting game or a uh, first-person shooter, it might not be able to offer to you the best uh, experience if you don't have a, a really good connection, um, but it might make most of it acceptable. And it might, you know, reviewers are going to tell you, well, if you're really into these kinds of games, uh, you know, competitive games, then maybe you want to buy the bigger box. But... If you're okay with a little bit of lag or with all of the other games that work perfectly even with a less good lag uh, connection, then just get the other one. It's fine. And yeah. here's the kicker, Scott. Yeah. Those devices are going to be great for... I mean, the big box is going to have probably a lot of computing power and graphics capabilities in it. But the streaming version and the streaming service could theoretically work on any machine, right? So they sure. could, in theory, make it work on current Xbox Ones. Yeah, they could, in theory, make it work on tablets and phones. On PCs, and, on anything, yeah. Sure, on devices capable of receiving the stream. Uh, I mean, that's that's also a big deal. Like, that's why I think, uh, I, don't, I know they haven't kind of worked out the 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 certification or anything yet but this is the the whole thing behind um steam's attempt to try to get the steam app on ios uh and and also android devices uh so that they can do a similar thing with your steam library i mean there there's clearly an impetus for this in the industry and somebody's trying to capture it uh well a lot of people well, are trying the, to capture it the question is who will the and, interesting uh, thing there 
is that traditionally in new generation uh, discussions, you hit the reset button. You you know, everyone starts from zero. But right. if they allow every Xbox One or maybe even down the line, why not all the Xbox 360s that are still around? Maybe that's not they're not going to be able to go that far. But in theory, if they can do it on any device, that means they instantly have an install base in the tens of millions, right? right. So, right. I mean, it, it, it's to the point that I'm thinking, well, maybe Sony, listening to these rumors, might want to, if they're not already working on something like that, might want to uh, get some inspiration. <laughs> but, I feel uh, like Sony will have to respond to it. I mean, they've hmm. already, I feel like they've tried to preemptively do that, and they... they well, they, they already want- have the PlayStation uh, Now service, which is that. Yeah. So. Yeah, which is that, which is okay. It's all right. It's not mm. great. Well, it doesn't have um, the, the onboard computing to compensate for, you know, lag and, and hit detection, as you said. So, Correct, exactly. So so my bigger question is, uh, if I'm in the market for whatever is next for, my, for uh, Xbox, and I'm out there kind of having a look at, at what's going on with this stuff, as a, as a guy who really values his gaming... I mean, the fact that they're making two models tells me that it's not a guaranteed um, perfect experience for the one that's the small streaming box, if you know what well, I'm saying. Well, I think for if people was, like you, you the other one, you know I what I mean? I think for they people would, like you and me, we're, there's no question we're going to want the, the big box, the one that can play the games locally perfectly. Um, yeah. But, you know, if the other one is 120 bucks. And it's the new, it allows you to play the new latest best graphics games from Microsoft, you know, provided you have a good enough connection. But still, that is mighty compelling. So I, I agree. I think, it, I think it has serious potential. I still mm. think there's a real challenge ahead of them that mostly deals with uh, marketing and, under, and, and helping people understand wh- why you want this versus, you know, whatever PlayStation will be doing at the time. Um, or, or anyone else, Nintendo or anyone else, but it's just, it's an interesting move. It's obviously something they're going to put a ton of money into and they have already, um, and they can, it's already something that's a, you know, part of their broader strategy is Microsoft. So this isn't like, you know, them having to invest in a giant thing that's just for gaming. They're, they're leveraging what they're already doing and what they're already good at. And, you know, potentially could disrupt the industry in a way that nobody has in a while. So I, Personally, I'm very excited to see how and if they pull it off, what their messaging is, and what that price point is. Because I think that that's also going to be important. That box should be less than 120. You mentioned 120 bucks. I think it needs to be less than that. You think like uh, for 100 bucks? It's a yeah. I think I think if you sold that for 99.99, it would be a out of the ballpark like mm. huge hit. Yeah. Well, no. yeah, the, the the two things there that are really interesting are the hybrid proposition, which is you can get every game either on a disc or, you know, downloaded the game and installed it on your machine or on the service. There, It's not like there are going to be, according to the rumors, you know, some games are only available on the streaming service and some games are only at least initially. So that's important. Right. And the, the onboard computing, the lag compensation thing, if they get it right, could finally fix that problem. 
Which, by the way, uh, if we move on, apparently Google is very serious about working on as well. Um, it's it's funny because it's big cloud companies, of course. But um, yeah. I guess this is how Phil Spencer got Satya Nadella to uh, make him a bigger, uh, <laughs> you know, fish in the Microsoft pond. Uh, he went to him and he was like, "We're gonna make Xbox." on the cloud servers and Satya Nadella who loves the cloud <laughs> was like all right yeah. you're now it's yeah. interesting um but yeah. yeah google is working on this as well they uh, recently hired richard marks uh, which was one of the people involved in the creation of playstation vr it's one of the uh, 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 many people uh, in the gaming space they have hired and it seems they are going for the same kind of technology which is a game console um essentially based on streaming service so so everyone's working on this someone will figure it out yeah uh, well, <laughs> there are a couple things i like about this number one uh i love it when no matter what something no matter what somebody does apple makes a big move or microsoft makes a big move suddenly google is right behind them going yeah i could do that <laughs> like it's so funny <laughs> to me that there's a so i'm not saying it's that reactive or anything but it's just always nip and nip and, i guess that's the whole point of you know open competition and it's good for the industry and all that so that's all fine but it just kind of cracks me up um my first impression of this is yeah that'd be the other company that could do this um they could pull this off they are they'd be new to the console world and, and that whole side of things but they're mm. as good as anybody else in terms of you know, resources and their ability to pull it off. So, and they're already yes, doing they, something yeah. similar on on uh, Android, right? They have the play the or try the app instantly um, that they're streaming. So they yes, have some experience correct. there. Yeah, they do. And and not only that, they I don't know. Again, they've got the well, yeah, so they, it's a, yeah. Google knows servers and cloud. Yeah, the only downside of, of Google is a similar thing. Microsoft sometimes these are two companies that just start a thing, go man, it's not working out, and they just give it up. Yeah. So yeah. I worry about that a little bit. Um, there's not a lot on the line for them if it doesn't work or whatever. But it could be it could be huge. The biggest question for me is, uh, will they take? I mean, the, none of this is known, but will they? farm in-house development will they try to make first party titles will they just focus on delivering third party content like what is their role in this is it more than just we're the box where you get all your third party games or also there's google studios and here are our lineup of rad first party games you can get nowhere else like mm-hmm. that's a that's a big question for me um and also richard marks is also the name of a 1980s uh crooner music guy who played the piano a lot, and it cracks me up that his name is Richard Marks. But <laughs> well, hopefully they else. will get some inspiration from that for their marketing. That would be good. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> mean, obviously, good. this is still a, a rumor. The project is called Project Yeti, from what we hear, and uh, they're working really hard at it. But uh, yeah, yeah, out of the two, obviously, Google is maybe not the one that is the most uh, has the most expertise in gaming, uh, even though the Play Store is also a big uh, store for games. It's not the same thing. So yeah. um, we'll see how that goes. And uh, the other topic we wanted to talk about was Fortnite uh, bypassing the Play Store on Android. So Fortnite was released, of course, Fortnite, the biggest game in the world right now. Every uh, 
person on the planet has either played it or seen someone do a dance from the game. Um, every athlete, it seems, is playing it and doing dances on the on the field. Um, and it's very, very popular with the teenagers, with the youngins. Um, apparently, the, the schoolyards are now dance competitions. <laughs> I don't know why the dance are such a big part of it, but they are. Uh, yeah. And uh, the game is a battle royale. I mean, everyone heard has heard about Fortnite. Um, and it's been released on every platform imaginable, except uh, as of yet... Android, and they are going to be releasing fairly soon on Android, possibly um, in a partnership with Samsung to some extent, but it will be available to everyone at some point, and um, you will need to go to Epic's website to install it via an APK, of course, so you're going to have to allow uh, do the permissions and all of that on your Android device, um, because it's not going to be available on the Play Store at all, which is really interesting. I mean, uh, Tim Sweeney, who is the CEO of Epic, makers of Fortnite, has always been quite vocal about the closed nature of uh, some of the systems and the dangers that the stores pose to the open internet, for lack of a better word. And um, to the people who say, well, they should have done this on Apple. Well, I mean, they don't do it on Apple. He explicitly said, we don't do it on on iOS because we can't. If we could, we would. So this is something they really want to do. Uh, Obviously, the motivation of not paying 30% of their income on Android to Google is huge. Uh, They also justify it by saying that um, they do it just like they would on any open system like Windows. This is how it works on Windows. Um, So it's not so strange to do it on android as well which i think holds some water but also um the app stores were kind of a step forward in terms of security um i don't think many other companies and many other properties could have done this uh on on the play store or on android rather and bypass the play store everyone's going to go and download fortnite anyway um right but also it opens the door to go to a random website install something and people might say well it's already the case on windows and look what happens everyone has uh you know malware riddled computers so what do you think is it a good thing bad thing what's the deal there i'll say what uh i'll say what i've been hearing others say and i agree with it this is only possible because it's Fortnite. that's the only reason they're doing this and it's the same reason that blizzard has their own launcher and could care less about steam or you know they don't really need E3 or, you know, these kinds of things for them. Rockstar doesn't need E3. Uh, people are starting to uh, leverage their power in the marketplace, wherever that leverage may be. And in the case of Fortnite, the leverage is you're the most popular video game in the world right now. And everybody wants you no matter where you're at. And because of that, they're willing to go where they need to go to get it. And that means they're willing to bypass, you know, the usual stuff, which in this case they can because, uh, Google's system is, or their their ecosystem is less stringent <clears throat> than Apple's, so they kind of have an option. Um, in, in a way, this is all just revealing that Apple actually is very smart when it comes to strategy. Uh, they, you know, a lot of people moan about the fact, including myself, that they are uh, such a closed system in some ways, and that the seventy thirty split that they demand is, you know, there no matter who you are, or what you do, but. They also have a very popular platform, and you want to get your stuff on there, and the only way to get it on there is by their rules, and and they're getting so paid for case, it. So in this case, yeah. Sweeney is actually saying thirty percent is too much for the service they're providing. It's not worth Correct. it. Correct. 
yeah, he's saying it's not worth it. And yeah. and also, even if it was worth it, because in theory, it's not worth it on on iOS either. Um, but they have made a ton of money on iOS, like mm. ridiculous amounts of money. I think this is also telling because he is not only saying it's not worth it. It's worth it on iOS because they're getting paid incredible amounts of money. Why would it not be worth it on 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 Google Play? Well, the answer is probably simple, and they're not saying it out loud. But the answer is, you don't have the same uptake on Android. You just don't. Like it's a different ecosystem. People don't pay well, for stuff the same. It's just I mean, different. Yes, that is certainly true. Um, I would argue they 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 will still take the money. And think that thirty percent is too much and not worth it, and still do it because it does, you know, bring in money. Um, I think that's he a, also that's a good point. he totally claims that it's not worth it on iOS either. Um, yeah, which it's not. It's, I'm sure yeah. it's not. I mean, yes. In in the face of could we do if we did this on our own, would it be worth it? Well, of course not. If they could do it on their own, it'd be that's what they sh- would do and could do and should do. But they can't, so they won't. But that doesn't mean they're not going to have it on. Of course, they're still going to have it on iOS. Right. So if the rule. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet, strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If we're more strict on, on, the, on the Google side, a Google Play Store side, they would, they would do it. Of course I they would. I think they would, yeah. I think they still yeah, would. Of course they would. <laughs> yeah, they still would. But this is an yeah. opportunity where they don't have to. So they're going to do – they're going to leverage the fact that they are the monster hit of the century – and so they can. They have the power to do it. I think this is not only not that weird, but I kind of expected it, to be honest. Well, I mean, on, on it's on 
un, uh, not very common on Android. Uh, it's right. common on other platforms. But uh, what about the, the security aspect, though? This could inspire, because they are someone that can do it, because the game is so popular. Now a precedent, a precedent has been set. And sure, maybe people are going to go to the Epic website and not going to download something that is uh, riddled with spyware and malware. But maybe it's going to open the door for other types of programs to to do that. And some already do, but they're usually kind of shady-ish things. Um, so this could mean that others, it becomes more standard practice on Android. And this invites in uh, more, you know, less secure behavior from the users because... As much as we would, as we love to say, well, this is what happens on an open platform. Um, this is also a consequence of the open platforms that you can't um, control what people are going to download, and that does have consequences on on the what gets installed on their devices. So there's a little bit of a valid concern there. I, I agree, but it's also the exact same concern on Windows. It's the exact same same concern on all platforms that are "quote unquote" open platforms. And, so and I think it's the issue is, yeah, but I think the issue is we were thinking, well, you know, when you get towards Play Store controlled ecosystems, then yes, you have the control that is higher. But finally, this kind of helps solve the issue of security. And I think most right. people would see that as a good thing. So in, in I, that I way, do. that feels I, like a step back. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like Google Play was its entire inception was not to say, hey, what if we had an extra thing? No, it was to address this very issue. Right. And and I think that it, it does and does that pretty well. So personally, I'm a little bummed that it's not available there. Even though I'm not really an Android guy, I... I like that layer of security. That's something I appreciate, and I feel like bypassing that is a step backwards. But I kind of don't blame Epic. They've no, of they can kind of write their own checks right now. They're yeah. just like, we can do whatever we want, man. I think you the know? solution there might lie in Google kind of doing different deals with different uh, publishers. Because sure. I think, you know, someone you mentioned Blizzard. Uh, former employee of Blizzard here. So <laughs> take everything I say about them with a grain of salt. But, sure. you know, they have the game Hearthstone on the Play Store. They could spin it out and have a launcher as well. They could be even be present on both platforms, um, you know, meaning on the Google Play Store and have people install it from their website as well. Um, many could start doing that. So I think on the way Android is constructed and its openness might lead Google at some point down the line, maybe to talk about rates with their developers or at least sure. the very successful ones. Sure. I, I just think that <clears throat> at the end of the day, and I think this is, it's a separate topic and we don't have to talk about it today, but I think also you're going to see, I mean, Epic could really leverage this in a way that is very disruptive. They could mm. be Steam if they wanted to, or sure. they could start that. They could be a listing or a directory or a place other people would want to put their games. At the very least, Unreal-based games or something uh, where that engine is showcased or whatever, but it's they could do it right now. The question is, how long can they do it? And how long is Fortnite the... Uh, the thing that everyone wants to play and that is the thing of the day. And I don't know, you know, these things can be fleeting. So 
So no, but you're timing. right. They have, they definitely have a few years here where they have opportunities to do stuff. And through that installer or launcher that everyone is going to install, which is going to be the Fortnite launcher initially, um, mm-hmm. it could very well turn into the Epic launcher and the Unreal Engine launcher, where every Unreal Engine developer has an opportunity to put a game there. And I mean, it's a whole different business, but it could. Uh, yeah, by the way... No- Talking about launchers, Bethesda is also jumping ship on Steam. Um, like others, uh, you know, Call of Duty is uh, not available on Steam this year or the one that is coming out soon. Um, we also have uh, uh, Destiny, which fled to the Blizzard launcher last year. Uh, and, and Bethesda with Fallout 76 is fleeing to the Bethesda launcher, the Bethesda.net. Uh, and they're going to bypass Steam. So, of course, Steam is not going to, you know, uh, lose its grip on the PC gaming market tomorrow. But this is an interesting trend to note, at least. Yeah, I actually foresee a future where AAA is sandboxed like this. So Could if you want the latest Blizzard game, you get it there. You want the latest Epic game, you get it there. Like, they'll they'll have their place to go to get stuff. And you'll just, you know, that'll just be a thing you do. And Steam will increasingly become this place where I go to get the smaller experience or the indie experience or the, you know, 10-man studio thing uh, or self-published stuff. Like, I already do that anyway. Like, a ton of it is what I use Steam for. And um, and it doesn't really bother me that I might have to get a AAA game on somewhere else, like Uplay mm. or whatever. So. True. I wonder, and speaking of Uplay, I wonder if any of this is making them go, oh, man, we should probably, you know, get ready to do this ourselves again. Because right now they're so weirdly split with Ubisoft. They've got Uplay and it's required and all that, but it's not. I mean, you still buy the games on Steam and you can buy them on Uplay, but nobody does. So they buy them on Steam and then they have this separate weird layer of Uplay. And it's like they're trying to straddle both things at once. And maybe this will finally give them the confidence to go now we can you know we can just full-on pull out and do this on our on our own and if this happens across the board i'm not saying it's good for steam it's probably bad for steam but it may just mean steam changes or you know steam becomes something a little bit different yeah i think it's time for for valve to start making games again to have some exclusive content on steam that is big uh games that are only available there i think it I agree with that 100%. Yeah. They do they absolutely need to do that. And if because they don't do that they're making a huge mistake cuz mm-hmm. they don't there's not a lot of other reason right now to to I mean you you the reason people ran to Steam in the first place is because there was a bunch of uh Valve stuff. It was all about, ooh, these are the Valve games are they're the best games ever. I'm going to go there. And right now they just don't have anything in the pipeline. Well, they have some stuff, but it's, you know, they need to ramp that up. I agree. And all of the other developers could very well, you know, now that people are used to stores and not so uh, uh, angry at the million stores we have on on PC um, and tying it back to the streaming technology and to the subscription technologies that or subscription offers that uh, EA is pioneering. I think many of them are going to try and be their own independent service a little bit more than before. And, um, and so that could also threaten the dominance of, you know, maybe splinter the store market, which is both a good and a bad thing. I agree. It's going to um, be interesting. 
You know what is a good thing for Nintendo? The sales number for the Switch. We're just going to go very quickly over a, a couple of numbers. Uh, obviously, Microsoft doesn't uh, split the Xbox sales numbers um, individually, so we still don't know. We guess, but we don't know for sure how many they sold. Um, but it's up. Uh, usage is up. They're happy with the uh, gaming division numbers at Microsoft. Sony is very happy with the numbers as well. Still the same trajectory. Um, they're basically making more money than they expected, more money than they did last year. Um, it's a lot of uh, profits. And the PlayStation 4 is selling just as good or even better than it did in previous years. So both Sony and Microsoft are happy on the same trajectory that they were before, but progressing posit uh, positively. The one that is uh, more interesting to discuss, I think, is Nintendo. They've just announced they sold uh, essentially 20 million units of the Switch at the end of uh, Q2 2018. So that's uh, 15 months, I believe, which is a really good number. Uh, it's it's one of the best sale rates that we've seen in the console. Maybe not the top one, but uh, in that handful of top uh, rates uh, for the gaming history. And uh, what do you think is going to happen now? Because there's a little bit of a slow, which is not unexpected given it's uh, it's completed its first year and its big hitters, heavy hitters, have come out. What do you think is going to happen in the next six months, six to 12 months for, for Nintendo? Is it going to slow down or do they have enough to keep the momentum going? Well, I would have told you at the beginning of this year that we were in great shape, uh, that, that moving forward, they would find continued growth and it would be rapid and that, you know, they'd be able to ride this wave for a little bit longer, but they were so, so disappointing at, at, um, simple as at, E3. at uh, E3 this year with what they showed and, Really, all they've got for this year is Super Smash Brothers. That's and that's the focus, and that's going to be huge. There's no question that thing's going to be a monster. Um, but they just uh, outside of that has just kind of left me scratching my head. Like, well, Wayne, what else are you? What else are you doing? I think that uh, combined with just the fact that they don't have a ton to ship before the end of the year is just is just slowing them, whether they want to be slowed or not. So I don't think it's lack of interest in the device. I just think they're they're just floundering a little bit on what they're supposed to do next. And yeah. I, it, I don't know how they're going to do it. It, se it seems to me everyone who wants a switch kind of already has a switch. Uh, Kind of, you know, there, there's always people, obviously it's not like the sales are, are going to grind to a halt uh, tomorrow, um, but I don't think like the people who would buy it for Smash Brothers, which is a very active community, they probably already have a, a Nintendo console anyway, most of them. So I don't think that is going to be a factor for growth um, for them towards the end of the year. There are a few things they, they could be doing though. Um, it's still relatively expensive i mean it's kind of silly that the switch is more expensive than the playstation 4 uh right, right now uh so they could lower the price or more realistically they could do some really interesting bundles for the holiday season i think this is a, a great way of getting people to finally uh take the plunge i think there are a lot of people who are looking at the switch but who haven't been convinced to get one yet 
and who need that little extra push. And what what makes me optimistic for the way things are going to go is two things. First, the the library on the Switch is very compelling. So you have many, many of the big games you would want. So Or enough of them that you think, if I get it, I'm not going to be bored, right? right? And the other thing is, people who are looking at it as I was saying, need a little push. And there are many different ways Nintendo could provide that push. Uh, price reduction could be one towards the end, you know, temporary uh, sales, promotions, uh, or operations. Later down the line, they could actually do a, a permanent uh, price reduction. They could at some point, and I'm sure they're working on this, uh, release a new version of the hardware, which is, let's imagine, uh, portable only or home console only, although that might be a little bit strange with uh, the premise of the Switch, or maybe just another more compact version of the device. And I am certain that a few million people who already have it now would buy it immediately. Oh, guaranteed. So. Guaranteed. I would. I always buy the second, um, right. <laughs> the second generation DS or the second generation 3DS or the XL or whatever. I think I've bought, I've bought like f- three different DSs and maybe <laughs> two 3DSs. Like, I'm into that iteration process, and I always like their second and third uh, runs of this stuff. So, I, I, yeah, count me in on that. I'd do that. Yeah, so Every- I think... There, there are ways of them, if it, it kind of hiccups a little bit towards the end of the year and, and sales do slow down, which is a possibility, not guaranteed, but a possibility. I'm not worried about it long term because I think they have levers they can, and, and levers they can pull and knobs they can turn uh, to keep, keep things going. And, um, you know, they, they know how to make games. So I am a little bit worried on their you know, line up for the next six months, but not necessarily for the next 24 months. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. yeah, no, no, I totally agree. I think it's, it, they're just in a weird, this is a weird year. Um, mm. and it's only their second year in. I mean, so they started little, so strong. That's the oh, thing, Oh, it's right? so strong. And so. it's still such an awesome device and I'm buying so many cool games there. Uh, they, I pre-ordered last night. I pre-ordered uh, Dead Cells because that game's finally mm-hmm. done. I already own it on PC, but I want to have Me it on too, that yeah. device so bad that I pre-ordered it there and, and uh, I'm very excited about it. So it's not like the thing doesn't have something going on. It's just Nintendo proper, like the mainline Nintendo side is a little weak right now. Mm. Yeah. Which is the whole reason you get a Nintendo device is for Nintendo first party. You know, that's your stuff. That's your lifeblood for anything Nintendo makes. Because if you're just worried about third party or indie, you can go a million other places. So this thing has two advantages, Nintendo and portable. Exactly. <laughs> and, and- yeah, and they need to. They just need to keep advancing on that. But I think you know, if you look at the library of games, if you don't have one yet, and you look at Zelda, incredible game, Mario, incredible game, and it's also supported by that unexpected, I think, from a year ago, uh, huge library of indie games. Um, this is, you know, the Wii U was not supported, obviously, in the same way. And it has the library and the concept which work for it. Um, so it's, you know, some people will tell you, oh, it's slowing down, that's it, Nintendo doesn't have titles anymore, so they're done. I think that is way uh, uh, too early to call. And, yeah, 
levers, knobs, all of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want them to, I, I don't know. I, I, like I've said a million times, I don't want to live in a world without Nintendo. So I just want them to. Oh, they're, they're fine. They are fine, Scott. And with this, we you know, the, say that, and they come, then they do something dumb and then we're like, oh no, they're in trouble again. And then they do something good again. Maybe that's just the pattern. Yeah, I, I think the Switch kind of put them in the black for the next 10 years. They're they're going to ride the Switch wave for, I think, at least 5 to 10 years. And and then they will have an opportunity to do something dumb after that. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not time to worry about them yet. <laughs> All right. And I think that is going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for being on with me, Scott, for the last episode of dtns labs games um you will however join me again on mvgb the monthly video game briefing which is going to start in september Mm -hmm. this is all true uh we're gonna start that up and you're gonna love it everybody and and what will change not a lot it'll be a lot like (laughs) this but it'll have a different name it'll be me and patrick and it will be uh a whole lot of fun so i hope people continue to listen and and uh, tell your friends and check it out because it's uh, it's a good time. And before you do that, though, uh, you might want more Scott Johnson in your life. What do you do, uh, Scott, if you want that? Well, you have to look into a mirror, uh, say my name three times. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on the Internet. That's a place you can go. Uh, use your common browser and look for... Uh, Frogpants.com. There are a bunch of shows there. Patrick and I and a couple of friends do a, uh, a World of Warcraft show every week uh, that also does a lot of Blizzard stuff. So if you're a Blizzard fan, even more video games await you. Uh, if you go check that out, you can find that at Frogpants.com along with the entire library of work I do. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter uh, where I'm always talking about something, at Scott Johnson. Amazing. For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the networks. Uh, you can also find my gaming show Pixels on your podcasting app. Just go to the search box now, type Pixels, subscribe, and you'll lead a happier life. It is guaranteed. Talk to wow. your doctor about Pixels. They will tell you it helps with most ailments. Not all. I'm not going to say which ones, so you can't sue me, but many. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Pixels is the show you want to subscribe to. And uh, of course, DTNS, the uh, host of our uh, podcast, will remain our very close brother, uncle, something like that. And all of our family is comprised of the patrons that allow for this show to exist. So thank you so much, patrons of DTNS. We love each and every one of you. And we will talk to you in about a month in MGVB. No, damn it, MVGB. Bye. MVGB. Yes, (laughs) MVGB. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business... 
whether it's a local operation or a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.